Welcome to me and my team and the news on this first full week of May. We have made it to May. I'm Tim. I'm Ben. And we just are super excited you're here with us again, as we always are. Now, we have to apologize for missing last week, but you have to understand there really was a confluence of craziness. First, Ben had state testing three days out of the week where he had to get up early. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, he wasn't so used to that. (laughs) And there were doctor's appointments, and then we were finally going to record last week, and we had flooding in the basement. Fortunately, it was just a storage room, and nothing of substance got ruined, but... It was enough of a week to to throw things off for us, and I did a little traveling going to Churchill Downs on Derby Week. We'll talk about that a little later. Benjamin uh, spent most of the week just figuring out all the crazy things that were happening in the world, didn't you, Benjamin? Uh, I guess, that and playing video games, but Uh, yeah. yeah. How's your video game stream going? Good. Are you up to millions of streamers watching, people watching you stream? No. Okay. No one is. Nobody's watching you stream? I think Twitch has a maximum audience of somewhere around like 3 million users. Yeah. So. You're not, not reaching that maximum? No, I don't think anyone ha- has ever had a million viewers on a single stream. I see. All right. Well, listen, it, it's starting out, and I'm sure you're going to grow just as fast as this podcast has. Wait, this podcast is growing? Every time. Okay, sure. Yes. Anyway, getting right into I'm the pretty sure news. it's the fastest growing podcast of, with, uh, with dads and their teenagers talking about the news. Yeah, well, that's a pretty small niche. <laughs> All right. So speaking of the news, you were just talking about our friend uh, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on there? His house got raided by the FBI for collusion with Ukraine, I guess. Mm, got raided for collusion or, or got... simply they're searching it. In yeah. connection with an investigation? I guess. I don't really know a whole lot about it. The whole Ukraine thing's a really complicated issue that would take at least like two or three hours to fully explain. I don't know the half of it, but basically Ukraine's been doing some shady stuff. I don't think you quite got that right. Oh. Uh, well, listen, so what generally was going on is that the, as we saw in the impeachment hearings, and Fiona Hill, by the way, is still a fantastic uh, human being. You could just tell from her excellent understanding of the world and, and what democracy should be. But anyway, uh, you know, the Trump presidency and the campaign knew there was some potentially damaging news to Joe Biden, and they wanted to use leverage to get the Ukrainian government to... Um, reveal that bad news or make it seem even worse than perhaps it was and in that whole web of conspiracy things Rudy Giuliani flew to Ukraine many times met with some very questionable people about some very ethically dubious matters yes and the FBI has been investigating all of um, those things so uh, it really goes back to the idea of soliciting foreign help to influence the United States election which is um, really interesting in the U.S. Of course, the U.S. having done its share to affect other countries' elections. Cough, cough, Latin America, cough, cough. Yeah, indeed. Um, but where this ends up with Rudy Giuliani is just really fascinating. His whole turn from a popular governor who's 
who had Wait, started he was a governor i mean i'm sorry mayor he was a popular mayor of new york city for a while his support was actually waning but he really after 9-11 was sort of really shown in a moment of crisis then um and then the like, if you went back 20 years and looked at Rudy Giuliani and looked at him today, you would be hard-pressed to believe he's the same person. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think, 20-ish years ago, 15, 20 years ago, people really liked Rudy Giuliani. The Simpsons even did a bit. So basically, they were trying to get a bill passed, and... Homer would be waving the picture of Rudy Giuliani around the camera saying, I am Rudy Giuliani. Do as I command. They showed a bunch of different Rudy Giuliani clips. So I guess at that time he was pretty well liked, I think. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what happened? He, he turned from credible mayor and lawyer to complete crackpot. I do not know what happened. And I don't know if we'll ever know. Maybe the investigation will show how he could have could have fallen so far in the esteem of so many people. But there was a bit of news today related to that, that a couple of news organizations uh, rescinded their stories uh, about this. So NBC News and a few others had reported that the FBI had warned Rudy Giuliani about the investigation or about activities with Ukraine before uh, Giuliani went to Ukraine. And it turns out, and they had done this story on citing uh, unnamed sources, what had apparently in fact happened is that the FBI had prepared such a briefing but never delivered it to Rudy Giuliani. So the stories have been updated and whatnot. But I think what most people see today is just sort of, hey, big news organizations take back their story. And that, you know, it hurts the credibility of those news organizations. And people probably are less likely to read the full details of what they actually took back in their reporting. Uh, speaking of which, also today, Newsmax rescinded a story that had claimed one of the Dominion higher-ups had manipulated the election. They um, had been sued, but are not named in the suit currently in that story as well. And I am just fascinated to watch the Smartmatic and Dominion lawsuits to see if they actually go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, they might. But, you know, they're not exactly a company that really has, you know, traditional customers. I mean, their customers are like, counties or countries mm -hmm. and you know counties in the u.s aren't really going to change voting machines because of this lawsuit probably really? i don't know and i don't know are there like countries that like are looking for new voting machines always like, there's always new voting machines being being bought and i mean if you had a one of those counties where you're claiming or even a state where you're claiming there's been widespread election fraud you know, maybe you do say, hey, uh, we want to get somebody in here to run our voting machines that we can't control and manipulate. Which is illegal. <laughs> That's basically how Russia has oh, done all of its elections. Really? Yeah. Hmm, that is very interesting. So we'll yeah. see where they go. Talking about foreign international news yes india's been having a great time recently you said that like you're being sarcastic 
I am. Oh. They've had four hundred. They had four hundred thousand cases yesterday. In one yesterday. day, they had four hundred thousand cases. Wow, which is a new world record, which means the USA is number one anymore. That's really a remarkably high number. It's it's, it's incredible to think that four hundred thousand people were even tested in one day, much less came up tested and came up positive. Well, India does have like one billion people still. Yeah, so those numbers are probably being undercounted, mm-hmm. and I mean, India's vaccine rollout has been eh like i think 13 percent of their population might be vaccinated or at least have their first dose so what's causing the spikes uh probably i guess if i had to go on my unprofessional opinion i'd say that people are like hey the vaccine's here that means we can go back to normal life fully Sure, only like 20% of us are immune, but who cares? Pandemic's over. Yay. And India's already been struggling with the pandemic. They've always been in like the number two or three spot. Hmm. So I guess they're just having kind of a late surge. I mean, the U.S. had a huge surge in December. Uh So I guess India's just having theirs a little later. That's terrible. And I mean, from a public health perspective, I mean, India is probably one of the countries where it could be very easy to get a pandemic to spread really quickly. There are large populations and small spaces yeah, in some huge areas. Huge population, very crowded spaces, um, already kind of terrible public health infrastructure just kind of leads to the perfect storm. I mean, like all of the hospitals in the city of Delhi are out of oxygen. Mm. And so, you know, according to science, people need oxygen to live. This is true. And it's it's incredible to think that we feel like we are so close to the end of this pandemic, to the end of having to completely alter and change our lives and live in this isolated way. And yet here in a democracy that's one of the largest countries in the world, 400,000 people testing positive in one day in overwhelmed hospitals. It's really... Well, I mean, I think that's because the U.S. has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Mm -hmm. We're behind, like, Israel and other really small countries. And the WHO said they put out that they hope that 20% of the world population can be vaccinated by the end of 2021. I mean, a lot of countries, especially in Southeast Asia and Africa, don't have any vaccines yet. And Africa and Southeast Asia are are home together to like almost half the world's population. Well, I mean, there are vaccines and I'm not sure what you mean by Southeast Asia. Well, like... India, yeah, Singapore, Indonesia, Bangladesh—they all have a surprisingly large number of people. They don't—they don't have access to vaccines at a they have, the same way. I mean, you know, it's just so much people, and it's really, really hard to get one billion vaccine doses—two billion, if you're True. using the Pfizer and Moderna. What uh, which vaccine is they using in India? Do you know? Um, 
I believe right now they're in the what they call the any vaccine we can get our hands on. Right. I think they were originally using the AstraZeneca, which they call the COVAX vaccine over there. Mm. So I guess it's the same AstraZeneca recipe, I guess. I don't know. Well, that might just be the name of the program, but yeah, right now I think I just read that it's either Pfizer or Moderna are shipping 500 million doses over to India. Oh, that's good. But, you know, Moderna vaccines have to be kept in refrigerators. Right. And they have to all be loaded onto planes, and then planes have to fly to India, and then they have to land, then they have to unload everything, then they have to distribute them to vaccination sites, then they have to get people to sign up for them, then they have to set appointments, then they administer the vaccines, then the vaccines take two to three weeks to come into full effect. So overall, those vaccines really aren't going to be in effect until like june sometime yeah hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel i can tell you so this last week i went down with your mother to the kentucky oaks which is a day of horse racing before the kentucky derby at churchill churchill downs in louisville kentucky our former home we used to live there and Oaks is known as the louisville's day at the downs and then derby for everyone to come in from all over the world uh, this year, you know, we've both been vaccinated and it was a socially distanced outdoor event where they had limited capacity. Um, but everyone we talked to all around us had been vaccinated. And I think it spoke to the power of this sort of hopeful event. And one of the, I don't know, we almost joked about it. Things that would happen is people would like introduce themselves and they and they would almost say, hey, I've you've been vaccinated and they would introduce themselves by which vaccine they got I'm like, Oh, I'm Pfizer. Oh, I'm Moderna, <laughs> you know? And it was, Oh, I'm Johnson and Johnson. And it was kind of like a reassuring way of saying like, we're all being cautious and we're so glad to be around people again. Um, but it's just fascinating to hear, you know, when you look at the per- global perspective, how we've sort of with all the resources of the United States have, gotten to a point of the vaccine being a key trigger as opposed to, you know, our behaviors or other methods that have made a big difference. Yeah, and I mean, the U.S., even though it's looking better, we have, I think, 54% have received their at least their first dose and like 30-something have received both. I mean, that's good, but I'd like to remind all of our listeners that that does not mean that it is okay to go out and start having pool parties. Like, we will not end this pandemic until we get around anywhere from 70 to 90% of herd immunity. And mm-hmm. considering 22% of adults, when asked, say, under no circumstance they will get the vaccine and children can't get it. And there are certain people with compromised immune systems that can't get it either. You know, we're looking at best case scenario, like 60%. Then we have to do some real convincing. I did read today that it's possible we'll never actually be out of a out of the COVID pandemic in some sense. It'll always be around as a virus that we'll just have to manage. Um, yeah, I mean... That's why it's important to get vaccinated and get vaccinated quickly 
because, you know, the longer you wait, the more chance that this virus is going to mutate. Mm -hmm. And once it starts mutating so it can avoid vaccines, then it's just going to be a yearly thing like the flu. And the flu kills like a few thousand people each year. So no, let's just more than that, but it kills way less than coronavirus does. Yeah, let's just add in another flu right. that's still thousands of people dying per year. Yeah, which is a bad thing. Yes, and and in many ways unnecessary with the, yeah. the state of modern and medicine. So, but did you see that uh, soon, twelve to fifteen year olds will be able to get to the vaccine? I didn't. I, I thought it was only 16. Currently 16. There was, I saw uh, today that next week, as early as next week, 12 to 15-year-olds may be able to get the vaccine. Cool. So I assume you'll be getting it? Yeah. I'm just worried that, you know, my classmates and other people my age will be less open to getting it because there's the argument of, I'm a kid. This just kind of got approved for me out of the blue. How do I know it's safe? And I'm a kid. I can barely get affected by coronavirus anyway. Why should I take it? Uh, yeah. I think that's kind of the reasoning. Right. There's also, you know, a decent amount of doubt. Will you, will you hold it against people if they don't get it? Eh, kinda. Yeah? I mean... Everyone has their own reasons, but it kind of depends on their reason. If it's like, oh, I don't care about other people. If I get it, I'll be fine. Then, yeah, screw you. Yeah. Eh, we just talked about 400,000 people getting diagnosed with COVID in India. I think I can say screw you. That's um, the family podcast now. It is? You do remember the mass shooting episode, right? Uh, yes. So, you know, right. this isn't exactly targeted at families. <laughs> well, alrighty then. So, I mean, again, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah. And I mean, with the polio vaccine, I mean, that's the next kind of thing that we have to go off. But with the polio vaccine, like... Everyone in the nation instantly signed up to get it because, about, yeah. you know, there wasn't such a thing as social media misinformation then. Oh, well, there was sure misinformation, but uh, it was sort of spread differently. And it was different in the post-war era. And people saw the effects of polio and were terrified of it in a way they don't seem to see uh, as widespread uh, for... COVID. But also, keep in mind, uh, the swine flu potential pandemic of the 70s with Gerald Ford as president when a vaccine was rushed in development and uh, did not go so well. What and, happened? Well, there was this concern that it may have led to an increase in Guillain-Barre uh, disease, which is a, a, a something that causes um, nerve issues. Now, they look back on it and say maybe it was the cause of that, maybe it wasn't. It turned out the swine flu wasn't that bad, um, that they really needed to have the vaccine or take that chance. But it was enough that, you know, planted in people's minds that, hey, you know, do I really trust the government when things could go poorly here? And there have been medical things that were recommended in the past that it turns out years later, like, oh, that was a terrible idea. Um, thalidomide was something that, years ago was given to pregnant women and it turned out to cause birth defects or back when they used heroin as medicine yes but you know 
obviously we are 50 years ahead of where we were in those things I was talking about, but there is still that question of, you know, can I trust the medicine, which I think is a real hesitancy part. I don't think there are really lots of people out there who think that Bill Gates is going to put in mind control microchips into the vaccine. Speaking of Bill Gates, I'm glad you brought this up. You are? Yeah. Breaking news. Like 30 minutes ago, Bill Gates and his wife, Melinda, have just announced that they're getting divorced. I saw that. That was really surprising. Yeah. Like, just out of the blue, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I saw the documentary about Bill Gates, and I've, I've watched her speak. Um, you know, I saw her speaking in a show with David Letterman and gave some other speeches. They're both highly intelligent, fascinating people. Ah, uh, celebrity marriages. Pretty volatile. I guess. I mean, we don't know the inside story of why they're separating after all these years. But, um... Eh, they're celebrities. Who knows? Hey, they made it longer than most. Most celebrity marriages last for, like, six months. I think we had one this year that lasted for 55 hours. Really? Yeah, I mean, that takes real skill to end a marriage that quickly. That, uh, yeah. That's moving fast. I don't know how many... They used to say... We used to measure the length of marriages in uh, Kardashian time because one of the Kardashian marriages lasted like two days or something. <laughs> I don't remember which one. Uh, I've not done a great job, you know, of keeping up with celebrities and celebrity news in general. Yeah, I don't really get why we do that. I mean, like, who cares? They're just people. They like, are just people. But sometimes they're famous people. Eh, I guess. Fame, richness, all those fun things. Yeah, um... Let's see. Moving on to Biden's State of the Union. Well, not not State of the Union, State Union but right. basically it's addressed the... to Congress. Did you uh, stay up and watch it live? Of course not. Why what? would I do that? I was doing important things like playing video games. You mean you weren't riveted to watching the President of the United States give an important speech before a joint session of Congress? Of course not. Most presidents are just really boring when they talk about policy. Well, then how do you know what happened if you didn't watch it? Yeah, use the news. You should know this. Yeah, and I mean, there was a lot of praise from the left and a lot of criticism from the right. What? I'm shocked. I know, I guess it's not really any different, but Ted Cruz fell asleep. Maybe he was dreaming about different things to do with his hair other than that terrible, terrible beard. Yes, that is quite a terrible beard. Ted Cruz falling asleep. Is probably not the worst thing Ted Cruz has done. Yeah, that's probably in like the bottom ten, actually. Did you see John Boehner's book or any of his interviews? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually saw that. He really, really... (laughs) Apparently, even Republicans, everyone hates Ted Cruz. It's really something. Uh, Certainly ten years ago, when John Boehner was the majority uh, leader, uh, the Republican House is unrecognizable from what the party was 10 years ago when when he was and he said even then it was full of a bunch of idiots well I, yeah i was getting there i mean uh that's uh, one of the funny things about congress there's this old saying is that uh congress is terrible but my guy is okay everybody thinks their own local rep is okay but everybody else's is terrible which is why congress's approval rating is usually like 10 percent <laughs> um unfortunately occasionally that, that's higher than the media approval rating but that's just bad publicity 
But there were real substance things that happened during that speech, which you learned about not from watching it, but from reading reaction to it, right? Yeah, so apparently, you know, Biden at the very start of his, like, presidency, he's like, all right, I'm going to be a deal maker. I'm just not going to do a whole lot as president. I'm going to be a stepping stone. That was his original idea. Then he was like, hey, wait up. I'm the president of the United States. I can do things now. And then he does things now, like infrastructure and health and other things. Yeah, I will say that it seems like the power of the presidency has really consolidated over the last 20 or 30 years. It's almost like, oh, I'm the president and I want this this uh, trillion dollar spending bill. Boom, it's passed. It feels like, uh, you know, there have been times in our history when the presidency did not have very much power. If you go back to the late 19th century, for example, it was really meant to be the Speaker of the House and who had the most power in Congress or in, in the government. And the president, you know, was not supposed to lead things. He was supposed to be in charge of executing the laws that Congress put in place and vetoing things that were bad. Yeah, and then the Civil War happened. Yeah, it did change things, I guess. Well, but it really didn't start changing until probably the Roosevelts, Teddy Roosevelt and and uh, then the big wars, the World Wars, and FDR. And then the last 50 years, it's become even more of a president-centered government, um, which is, I don't think, the way it should be. Eh, yeah, giving one guy a whole bunch of power is generally not a great idea, but... I think it's gotten to that point because we're now just at where Congress is kind of more of just an octagon where people (laughs) are just constantly brawling. Right. And normally the president in that scenario is supposed to kind of be like the ref being like, hey guys, chill out. Now the president is just like, all right, give me my gloves. I'm getting in there. Right. You know, Congress has become so inactive, thank you filibuster, that... It doesn't ever do anything. Like, bills now either pass, like, a hundred votes to none, or they don't pass at all. Yeah. Which makes it really hard for any kind of mildly controversial legislation to get passed at all. Hey, uh, you want to take a guess on how many members of Congress read the entirety of an actual bill before voting on it zero the bills are like three thousand pages long (laughs) exactly no human being can actually read the entire thing aloud no that is so true and even the the federal law code is so insane that nobody knows what's in it all nobody even knows what's all in the tax code by itself much less all the federal well yeah they have to put in very very specific wording that way People can or can't take advantage of loopholes, depending on who the federal government wants to take advantage <laughs> that's of right. loopholes. It's about who, who you're creating the loopholes for, and that's going to be the, uh, the the goal of a lot of these laws. So when you watch uh, Biden Speak Live or you watch your favorite live TV event, uh, do you ever spend any time thinking about, gosh, how do they put together that live television coverage? It's probably not very hard. It's step one, turn on camera. Step two, put some lights on them. Step three, roll camera. Step four, profit. Wow, that is a terrible understanding of how live television news happens. I think I need to educate you Um, on live TV events. 
Let's take, for example, the Kentucky Derby. Oh, geez, not the dumb horse race again. It's not. You haven't been, you haven't stopped talking about it since you got back. Like, all you do is watch some glorified donkeys run on a dirt track and look at dumb people in dumb hats and drink a lot of booze. That's all the Kentucky Derby is, people. People betting on creatures that poop while standing up. That's it. That's all of it. Wow. I had no idea you thought that way, but that is impressive that horses can do that. Uh, by the way, many of the hats were just fantastic. Oh, jeez. Why did I have to bring up the hats? So the reason I bring that up is so for a number of years, I worked in television in Louisville, and we would carry live nonstop coverage the day before and then leading up to the Kentucky Derby from Churchill Downs. And uh, while you like to think it's set up a camera, push record, and boom, you're done, it's not like that at all. So we would spend several days, uh, first of all, building a trailer in which we would basically create a control room that would be able to take in you know how we have we do our podcast we have a computer set up to record and you can have multiple microphones well this is something that's set up that can have not only multiple microphones and multiple cameras set up but also lots of live tv graphics generation and video playouts so you have all these sources that have to be wired into this big big board and there's usually a person who's sitting at this big board with about, I don't know, 300 buttons and some dials and knobs and things. And they've got to know what every one of those does and punch the right one at the right time while they're live. Meanwhile, you run miles of cable to get out to all the different cameras because you're going to have a whole bunch. We used to have a helicopter flying around. We have a helicopter feed coming in. I'm doing a helicopter image for those of you who are listening. Um, and then you have to have all that coordinated with your anchors and reporters who all have to be connected by earpieces to know when they're supposed to talk, to know what everybody else is saying so they can make sense, to their photographers who not only have to have them framed properly but lit properly, and, by the way, have to make sure nobody who's had too much booze is getting in the way of the camera shot, for example, or that they don't catch the horses doing the wrong thing at the wrong time on live TV. And so you have all those things coming in, and you've got this team working in a trailer that's part of a complex basically of trailers from all the different tv stations and cable outlets and whatnot all feeding this in live to uh, a room in the trailer of about five people a producer a director's on the headsets and there's a technical director's pushing the buttons there's somebody controlling the graphics output and there are engineers who are getting all those signals in and making sure this end up going back out to your transmission to go out to your viewers is all working Jeez. And that hopefully works perfectly. Meanwhile, keep in mind it's live. And if any one person or any one piece of equipment fails at any point or if somebody presses the wrong button, it looks like a total disaster and you look like amateurs. And so you are doing this, keep in mind, uh, in many cases for several hours. We would start at 4 o'clock on Friday morning. We wouldn't be done till 8 o'clock on Friday night, for example. That's a lot of exhausted people doing live television in a complex setup, in a little tiny trailer, to bring you the glory of the Kentucky Derby that I know you wanted to watch. Jeez, that's a lot of equipment and a lot of people to do that. How do new stations ever turn a profit, especially with like the equipment? Each like <laughs> yeah, it's true. each camera costs like twenty thousand dollars or more. Uh, the the cost has come way down. It used to cost fifty or sixty thousand dollars a camera. 
Um, you know, advertising like is salaries is is for real. It is not cheap to buy a television commercial on a successful station. And if you did watch the old-fashioned way, like on live TV, you'd see all these things called commercials that, um, you know, might take up a third of a newscast. And it is expensive. And so news is, at a TV station, the highest revenue, typically, but it's not the highest profit, usually, because of all the costs that go with it. Usually, the stations will make more money in terms of profit on their either primetime or their syndicated programs, depending on the deal they get and how much viewership. But news is becoming more and more the main thing driving TV stations, especially as syndicated is getting harder to come by with all the streaming options and primetime is not as heavily viewed as it used to be. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah. So, like, cable news and cable TV in general, Yeah. how is that a thing that even exists? Like, I know it was mm -hmm. practical at one point, but say if I wanted Paramount Plus, Netflix, Hulu, and HBO, which gives you a pretty good variety of channels. Yes. That's like, I don't know, 50 bucks a month, while one, like, basic cable is at least 100 for, like, Maybe 50 you can get channels. it for 60 or 70, but yeah, you know, uh, it's... Something that cable just got more and more expensive, you know, especially when it was the only option, it was that or satellite. And most cable companies now actually don't make money on cable. They try to break even on cable television. What they make money on is broadband service because they already have the cables wired to most of the houses in the country. And therefore, it's easy for them to bring broadband delivery. So they've turned to that as their moneymaker because they had a competitive advantage. So it's kind of like, yeah, we'll bring you broadband internet, plus you get this cable TV or whatever That's free. Right. That's like, right. Like, we don't really care. You're going to find some crappy low-quality TV <laughs> shows from 30 years ago. There might be high-quality things on cable TV. Your yeah, like all are, of Fox. Your BattleBots is on cable TV. Actually, no, it's on Discovery Plus now. Well, and it's been on cable for a long time. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you get a lot of places. But, I mean, most, like, traditional cable channels have now transitioned to where people can just watch their shows on a streaming service. And, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't you want to watch it on a streaming service? You can watch it whenever you want. You can skip boring parts. And there are probably a lot less ads. Or no ads. I mean, Hulu one of the streaming services that does have ads, they have like an hour, maybe five one to two minute ads. Well, yeah, yeah, but keep in mind that part of it is that for a time, sometimes you want to choose what you want to watch and sometimes you just want to flip on the TV and scroll through the channels and see what's on. That's called social media. Uh, That's yeah, what you that do too. when you're bored. So it is a fascinating topic. We are going to have to set aside an episode to talk just about the economics of television. Oh, dear. No, it's fascinating. It's really interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, to a news guy, but you're to clearly him. interested in it. So we could talk about streaming I was versus trying cable. To to, versus... I was trying to steer this towards uh, towards talk TV shows and uh -huh. like... And, that. yeah, so that's actually one thing. I'll just throw this out really quickly. In any given market, you know, uh, geez. you talk about Fox News or CNN, 
ESPN, the sports news, none of them are the top station in any local market. They get, you know, a 20th of what a good TV station would get in a local market in terms of that market's audience. But because they're nationwide, it can add up. So that being said, we are going to do, as they say, in our corporate meeting world, we're going to put this in a little parking lot and we're going to come to this in a future meeting and uh, talk about the economics of news sometime coming up soon. Oh, geez. Meanwhile, like many podcasts, we're using Post by Futuri to create, publish, and optimize this episode and every episode. Learn more why some of the top brands use Post at FuturiMedia.com. Well, thank you for helping us kick off May. I'm Tim. I'm Ben. And this is me and my team and the news.